Welcome, guys, to another episode of Self-Made Nobodies. Sorry for the hiatus there. I've been going to trade school, so I've kind of dedicated a couple of months here of my time. I'm doing two years of it. So finally, we're back here, and I've got a friend. I, I, I want to call you a friend. We had never met in person, but, I mean, I've seen a lot of your stuff. I've got a lot of admiration from you, and I feel like Esten Forums days, I feel like we talked back then. I just, I don't know. I have Pro- that feeling. Probably way back in the day. So if you want to introduce yourself so I don't butcher your last name. Sure. Uh, so this is Phil Shillette on the other end of the line. Um, you may know me from S10 Forum. And also more recently, I've started my own business called Phil Built Designs, uh, making a lot of what they call maple billet uh, awards, license plates, all kinds of stuff. So love everything. totally get into that here in a minute. I just wanted you to introduce yourself to the listeners because I'm, I'm sure you're going to get a lot more recognition here in the next coming years with the stuff that you're doing. Definitely deserves it. I've been following a little bit for... A long time, I would say. It's not like I follow you like a stalker, but I've watched a lot of your stuff and followed a lot of your, especially your S10. I mean, that's an obvious one, but now up into this fill built stuff that you've been doing lately. But what I'd like to talk about first is back in that generation, back back in the day, what started all of this for you? Like, did you always have a passion for cars? Was it always going to be machining? Like what started it for you, Phil? Uh, for me, I mean, as a kid, I went to cruise nights and stuff with my dad. Growing up, we didn't really have anything to take to these cruise nights, but we still went and hung out and went to car shows. Then in the early 2000s, I think it was around 2002, he ended up buying a 77 Corvette, which he he had one originally in 77, sold it in, I think, 81 or 82 when him and my mom got married. But he was always in the cars, so it kind of trickled down to me playing with Hot Wheels as a kid. So yeah, he had the Corvette, had that for about 10 years. Then when I got the S10 in 2007, uh, it was supposed to be for me to get to and from college as opposed to taking the city bus from our place to college. And that's kind of where the project name started. So in terms of getting into cars, I've always been into them. And then when I finally had a chance to have my own, it kind of just took off and I never really looked back on that. That's awesome. Um, now, was it always machining for you as a, as a career? So if, if people don't know, Phil, you, you have a machining career on the, on the, uh, daytime hours i guess and then in the nighttime yes. hours you're doing the maple billet as you called it there which is hilarious i love that term for it so if anybody listening doesn't know what he meant there uh so when you take a chunk of a aluminum to put it into a machine it's called a billet i guess if i'm, yes. I'm correct right yes uh and exactly. so what he what he does is he takes those chunks of billet puts it into a cnc machine which is a computer numerical controlled machine and essentially programs uh a shape into it it gets cut out and the trophies he builds the awards he builds are next level. Like, I mean, you've got to check them out, check them out on Instagram. We'll, we'll have all the links into the description and he'll, he'll throw the links up in a little bit here, but you guys got to see some of the stuff he does. Like some of the builds you see in your local Tim Hortons parking lot don't have anything on the awards that Phil builds for these people. But I mean, these shows are next level too. Like we, we don't even really up here in Canada. There's a few, I'm going to say there's probably what, like 15 or so shows across the country over the course of the summer that kind of touch what they have in the States, but like what they have in the States is next level LST and all those shows is it's, it's insane. It's quite, quite, quite a different scene down there. I mean, when, when we have a couple shows per summer that are huge and they have a couple shows per weekend that are of the same size, it goes to show how big the hobby is down there for cars, trucks, bikes, everything really. It's crazy. But yeah. So with your day job, was it always machining for you? Was that something that you already had a passion for in high school or did you kind of fall into that? How did you get started um, it, with that? 
uh, in high school, we didn't have a shop class per se. In my grade 12 year, we had gotten a CNC router that nobody knew how to use. I think the first couple projects on it were cutting out vinyl, like a plotter to make banners for the different sports teams. So that was kind of like a start of it. But I can remember watching all like the biker build-off shows and motorcycle mania. Um, American Chopper was big when I was in high school. There was one episode, I think it was either motorcycle mania with Jesse James or biker build-off. When he had a shop in Long Beach, he just took a massive chunk of aluminum and by the magic of TV, put it into a machine, shut the door, and then opens the door and out comes a motorcycle wheel. And I was like, well, what, what did he do to do that? Or what kind of like trade is that? So I started looking into it, found out that there was a course that I could take uh, locally here in Ottawa that would allow me to go down that path of becoming a machinist. So to kind of cover my basis, I applied to two colleges for machining, and then I applied to university for automotive engineering. Luckily for me, I got in, I accepted all five of my choices, and then it ultimately came down to, do I really want to go to school for another five years and read books and do math and all that? Or do I want to go to a trade school in college, stay local, and then be out in the workforce within a couple of years? And ultimately, we know which way it went, and I really, I have not looked back since. That's been, I graduated college in 2009, and I've been at the same shop since 2009. This will be my, you know, going on 11 years now almost 12 now. That's incredible. It's nice to see, see, I'm a spaz. I tried a whole bunch of stuff and like I've right. jumped around and I, I did everything from working at Rockstar with Lou when I was younger to now I'm in my third year of auto body. And once I finish my fourth year, I'm going to quit and I'm going to go <laughs> and I'm getting my automotive service technician. So I want to be dual ticketed within five years. That's my ultimate goal. I'm hoping to skip a couple right. of those years so that I can get it all pushed through, but I bounce around, but it's really nice to hear somebody that's kind of like, stuck to something because even jeff i know with with his career he stuck to dealership and kind of went that route and then overnight he just decided you know i'm doing this in my garage i want to make a yeah. business out of it but it's nice to hear somebody that was like no i i started it i went through a trade and i stuck with it it's nice to hear that so i appreciate it it's a, it's it's nice you know you, you get given a 3d file and a 2d pdf drawing and it's here we need this made and then essentially it's up to us to figure out how to do it uh, you know, come up with the pricing for it, the fixturing if need be, and you're turning nothing into something. And that's like an everyday, you know, there's a lot of repeat jobs that we do, but there's a lot of one-off and prototype stuff that you got to wrap your head around and say like, okay, can we do this? And how, how are we going to go about doing it? Yeah. And with you being able to do your side job with doing all your maple billet there, I'm sure with Phil built, I'm sure it, it kind of takes away from the monotony of having to push the button to make that part that goes over and over again. Now, are you guys, uh, do you guys mainly manufacture kind of niche pieces or do you have a lot of stuff where it's um, that you've already programmed it? You just, you're making parts. Uh, for the day job, we do like a lot of medical uh, aerospace military. Uh, there's a lot of repeat jobs that we do over the course of the year, just, you know, product lines that these various customers have, um, you know, robotic type stuff. Um, but then we get the odd that'll come in, you know, they have a new idea for a new product that we're trying to develop or a new, uh, you know, robot or, assembly of some sort and they want to do you know a small run of five to ten and then do testing and then they'll come back with a revision change and we'll you know modify the lid uh, they found it wasn't cooling well enough or whatever so we do a lot of smaller runs on some parts and then i think a lot of it probably ends up going offshore uh, just for cost and quantity it's sometimes it's not it's not feasible to machine parts that you could have done offshore out of casting for a fraction of the price 
So you're making R and D stuff a lot of the time. Uh, I'd say probably it's like 60% production or maybe like 70% production parts, and 30% R and D. That makes it cool though. At least you guys are, are, you know, breaking ground. It must be nice to be but, breaking ground. Like you said, that's just it. It's, it's fun to do the, the one-off stuff. And you know, you, you always try to set a goal for one-off stuff is tricky because you, you got one guy programming it, which is me. I'm the, the head programmer at the shop and you've got one guy on the machine running it. And, you know, we've got two other, two other machinists in the shop and, you know, it's, it's tough because you've got two guys working on one part. So you got to factor that in when you're quoting the job too, that it's going to drag two people into this one part. So at the end, you're, you're trying to come out ahead, but it doesn't always work out with uh, prototype work. Yeah. Cause you don't know what you're getting into. Yeah. You can never, you can plan as much as you want, but there's always the unknown. It's kind of like restorations. Once you get yourself into it and you find all the stuff, you're like, mm, that's, that's interesting. I remember restoring, uh, I did a 60, I want to say 68 Mustang fastback and uh, the floor was a little squishy. So the customer was like, you know what, just put it up on the hoist, whatever you find, you find. So we looked underneath it. Everything looked okay. Uh, put the car back down. I pulled up the carpet and I'm like, that looks like tin tape. I'm sure that's, that's, that looks like tin tape. So I started peeling up the tin tape. They actually took a paint roller tray and cut the edges off the paint roller tray so it wasn't a tray anymore and then made a patch panel for the floor that was just set in and they undercoated the underside so well that you couldn't tell like i'd have to find the photos but you could not tell so like once you get into that it's how do you tell a customer when they come in like oh yeah everything looks great we put it up on the hoist it looks fantastic it's just like you oh yeah this part looks you know i i quote you at 10 hours and then you get into it and you're like, oh, no, I need to make a fixture for my machine so that I could actually hold the piece in there so I could machine it. That took me an extra 12 hours. Customers like, well, sounds like sucks to be you. Well, exactly. That's just that once you've, once you've quoted the part, it's kind of on you to, to suck that up at the end of the day. Which is too bad. With restorations, you can kind of tell the customer like, hey, we'll be calling you for another check. But in your world, yeah. it's a little bit different. I just said we ran into that when uh, we started tearing into my dad's 39 coupe. The same thing. Like look good from the outside but once you start getting into it and you see that like, the doors were shaved with washers like literally like steel washers just tacked in place and then filled over and you're like well you know we didn't bargain on that but you're in there and we got to fix it so you know just keep keep going keep fixing but it's the unfortunate thing like you said restoration it's it's a crapshoot totally now uh what program are you using for your machining uh master cam you it's are like master a CAD cam. Cam. yeah cad cam software it's it's pretty good for designing stuff up. Like if we have to make fixtures for parts, I can reverse engineer through that. But, you know, compared to like a solid works or an equivalent program like that, it does, it does have its limitations. That's what I was going to ask. Do you ever use solid works or was it solid edge? Was that another program back in the day? I used to, yes. do it. I did it at a high school too. So yeah, we had edge in college and we used that for quite a bit of our design work. Yeah. That was a neat, that was more 3d, right? You could actually make stuff function in that program. Yeah. Like assemblies and pivot points and, we had to design like dies and all that. So you had to make sure that it would work up and down and not bind and tool and die is kind of like, well, I mean, the company I work for is Imco tool and die, but the tool and die part kind of went like obsolete quite a while ago. But I mean, that's the roots of it, right? What did that mean versus a machinist? Like, are you a tool and die maker? Or are you a machinist? On, now? on on paper, I'm a tool and die maker. Cause that's what the, I think the course I took was like mechanical technician tool and die maker. Right. Uh, but you come out of it having manual machining experience on the mills and the lathes. And then second year you start programming and you're actually on uh, the different CNC mills and lathes that the college has. So 
when you get out of college and you're looking for a job, people aren't posting up looking for tool and die makers because it's a dying trade, really, terminology-wise at least. Right. So essentially you're doing the same job, but it's just kind of flipped. Yeah, just programming parts, making parts, but you're not actually designing dies to stamp stuff out or bending jigs. It's just, it's not really what it is, even though it's right, right in the name. So is that what it used to be back in the day? It was, it was, you were making like a stamping press for that fender, essentially. Pretty much. Yeah. I think way, way back in the day, that's how it would have been. Cause they wouldn't have had, they had the milling machines and lathes and all that, but the CNC wise, they had, they had none of that. You know, I don't know what year that really came out. I know my boss has told me that back when he was, I mean, my boss is 74 now. So whenever CNCs came out, he says he remembers when he had to feed like the ticker tape to it. Like rather than loading your program on with a USB or a flop, you stood there with a piece of paper and you fed it into the machine and that's how it read the code. Wild. Yeah, I know. So you can think like just like little stuff like that where, you know, you're throwing it on a USB or a flash drive and you walk out, stick it in, you're good to go. Meanwhile, like, you know, 40 whatever years ago, you had a guy standing there just feeding a piece of paper all day. Yeah, like a player piano. Yeah, exactly. That's crazy. See, and I've never, I haven't done much more research other than what I did in high school. I I went to Skills Canada. I think I came second or third in in Mastercam for that back in the day. Nice. But that that was it. I kind of never, ever did it out of, my my parents were like, you're too smart for cars. Don't do that. And then like come full circle, here I am making a a life out of it. You know what I mean? And it's like, you you guys took me out of it. I did a stint where I was going to school to be a paramedic. Like after I, I stopped at Rockstar and then I moved out to right. Alberta and then it was just like cars ever since. So, yeah, no. So I really appreciate that. So you said you work for Imco Tool and Die. So now tell me about Phil Built. I want to know. That's kind of what I got you on for. You know, the right. I, I don't know. You know a little bit of the premise of the podcast, but for anybody that's new, it's self-made nobodies. I never meant it in any disrespect. When I heard the name, I really, really think that branding is a big thing when it comes to social media and when it comes to podcasting and i think when you hear this the name self-made nobodies you're like what does that even mean and and to me i'll use the reference again because i hate them and i'm I'm sure like i'm gonna catch a fan of these guys and you might be a fan but i hate richard rawlings like i can't stand the guy and I've, um, i've been to the shop twice and they've purposely not introduced me to him twice yeah so i'm not a fan of that dude uh because he's not like to me he's not made anything like he's the face of that place but like aaron kaufman's the the person that made gas monkey in my opinion that's as far as i've researched maybe i'm completely out to lunch but on the side you're you're on you're on base with that yeah so uh when i say self-made nobodies i see them and his social media presence is so huge and then you hand him a hammer and dolly or you hand him a cutting wheel and he asks for his beer like that's not the kind of guy that i want on my podcast the kind of guy i want on my right. podcast is the guy that like you catch his instagram and it has like five thousand followers thirty thousand followers fifty thousand followers and you're like wait what how does this guy have 15 million and he drinks yeah. beer in front of cars and this guy has <laughs> fifty thousand, and he's spending like all his hours at night doing this stuff getting himself to be where he is putting his name out there like there's so much that comes with what you guys do that's so much more than what social media shows people and that's where the self-made nobody's comes into play like you guys are all self-made you have the skills that like i i envy i look up to jeff i look up to you in in your skill level in where you're at same with craig the fella i had on that that um, does fitness stuff seeing his journey being like my size to where he he is and if you guys haven't checked out that podcast make sure you check that out he went from 
like six foot three or four, like 160 pounds to like, he's like 260 now. Like the guy's an absolute beast. And yeah. it just, I appreciate these guys that like put in the hard work, but don't get the recognition. And I'm really hoping that this podcast maybe catches, catches a little bit of traction and um, I can get people to really respond to you guys and, and catch the bigger picture that like, it's not all what it seems. And you've really got to find the people that are actually doing the work, find these skilled people. And that's who you should be looking up to. Like, forget, forget looking up to the YouTuber that has a Lamborghini, look up to the dude that's got the lights on in his garage at like two o'clock in the morning, finishing his truck and then going to work in the morning. That's the guy you want to look up to. So that was the whole point of this podcast. So I really, really appreciate you having on. So yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say like, I I completely understand the name and like, I mean, I I see exactly where you're coming from and I like it because people have said that to me too. They're like, you know, everyone knows who you are. And so I'm just, I'm just a guy from Canada that makes parts. Like I'm, I'm, I'm like, again, I'm a nobody. I'm just a guy who got lucky and got in with the right people but I'm still just Phil from Canada. Like I'm not some kind of celebrity or anything. It's just a guy who loves what he does and is happy to see happy customers. And like you said, there's a lot of these people that aren't, aren't out there in the spotlight that could be and should be. And then you got people that are out there just kind of making a clown of themselves, but they've got that brand or that name or that backing that just puts them up on a pedestal that, you know, not all of them really deserve. And it's, it's bothersome when you, are in a trade like that. And I keep, I go back to them because I'm in that trade and I can understand the yeah. skill level it takes. Um, but that really does bother me, but no, I really, really do appreciate, I hate you having on. So with Phil built, what, what started that and when did that all start? Um, so I think that's probably back in about 2012. Um, my first like paid side job. Um, There's an auto parts store uh, that shared a building with us. And he had a customer that bought a set of basically blank valve covers for a small block. And he wanted to have them engraved um, with his daughter, his late daughter's nickname on them. So the auto parts guy put him in contact with me and I said, you know, I've never done this before. Like, this is all new to me. You know, I even went out and I priced out to see what the new set of valve covers would cost in case something went wrong and I messed them up or whatever. But yeah, that was like my first job. So I did that for him. He was super happy. And it's kind of like, kind of like lit the fire in me like you know people people are finding me I love what I do I I loved seeing him how happy he was because again it was a tribute to his daughter uh, the truck he was building so that was yeah that was around 2012 I did like the odd little job here and there for like local car clubs or some of my buddies and then uh, probably around 2013 or 2014 drop them where Jen and John Beeb approached me I done a little well I didn't start no sorry Go back before that, uh, KIK, it was Trey and Chris. Um, I had ordered a bunch of stuff from them, you know, mini trucker black shirts, just filling up my closet because that's what I was getting into at that point with the truck being bagged. I ordered a bunch of stuff from them and they had sent me like a couple extra in the same size that I ordered. And I thought, you know, that's really cool. Like, you know, it's another small company sending me extra shirts. I thought it was super cool. So I was like, you know, I'm going to make them something. So I made them a little aluminum base with their logo and stuff and underneath i engraved you know thank you on behalf of all mini truckers like you know you're showing what the community is about and i'd sent that off to them and then that turned into like a couple of keychains and then drop them where approached me to make the awards for their show that they hold in october so i had done a bunch of awards for them that they handed out best paint best you know current truck and then todd hendricks who is one half of lone starts him and lonnie ford 
Jen had recommended me to Radar, Todd, saying, you know, there's this guy in Canada, he makes really cool stuff. They were looking to change up what they were doing award-wise. So it was, I think, January 2014. I had no idea what Lone Star Throwdown was. He had no idea who I was. He called me one night when I was at the shop doing work work. We kind of started chatting. He told me what he wanted. Again, this is like my first big order of unknown, right? Like, don't know who the customer is. Don't know how the show is. Don't know how big it is. Like, is it legit? It's just like, you know, is it going to turn into anything? So um, we discussed it. I ordered a bunch of stuff uh, from Waterjet for the, uh, I think at that time it was only a top 75. And at that, they were like six, six or eight inches tall at that point. Order them in. That was the first year I did Lone Star was 2014. And then from there, it was like people saw the license plates that were given out as awards. Then all of a sudden people wanted to have custom license plates made. Other shows got on to me and really just kind of snowballed from there. So I, I owe pretty much the start of Phil Built to KIK, Dropware, and Lone Star. So three, you know, three big names in the mini truck community are what got me to where I am today. That's awesome. And if anybody wants support, uh, KIK is Kinetic Clothing, right? I think that's their... Uh, no, uh, Customs Inc. Clothing. Oh, Customs Inc. Clothing. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, that's them. And then Drop'em Wear, they're also a company that does mini truck, like, attire, clothing, that kind of stuff. They have, and like, again, bobble they're, heads. They're both, and... both husband and wife companies, too. So it's, you know, family run and operated, and they go to shows all across the country. Great people to support. It's not just some website with a massive factor it's people making their their products out of their own homes so two two good companies to support yeah that's incredible i should actually reach out to john and see if he'd like to be on i never even thought about that until we were just talking there you go yeah another one um that's really really cool that you were inspired and kind of came up from other people and then you said something earlier which i'd like to touch on you said you got lucky i don't think you got lucky i disagree I think there are people that got lucky. I don't think you're one of those people that got lucky. I think you worked for where you are and I think you deserve to be where you are. And like, not to be, not to be like cocky, but I wouldn't have like reached out to you if I thought you had gotten to where you were by luck. Like the whole point of this podcast is for people to see people that put in the dedication. And I'm, I'm hoping to not only get a little bit of traction for you guys, but like if, if we touch one person per episode, to like make a change in their life or to like jump out or make that leap or, you know, cross that line into something different. That's, that's huge to me that that's worth my half an hour of, or 45 minutes of learning. Like i not only do we get to hear your story, but I get to inspire somebody else. Like that's worth my 45 minutes of this and then some editing time and then some uploading time. Like it's totally worth it. If we can inspire and touch a few people to come into this, I feel like it's a dying thing for people to really be passionate about something because we hold we hold social media to such a high pedestal that we see people's snapshots in time that are so perfect that we think that our whole life should be perfect where it's like no you should struggle and you should grind but you shouldn't stop grinding you should keep pushing until you get to those points where your snapshots in time become better and don't base them on somebody else's snapshots of time based them on your yesterday's snapshots in time. Right. And you know, there's risk involved too. Like you said, if you can convince one person out there, that's kind of on the fence, like, do I try it? Do I not? I mean, take baby steps. If you're, if you're not ready to take the leap from working for somebody to being your own boss and going out on your own, try to do both. I mean, that's how it worked out for me. I was, 
going in on weekends and doing work, work and my work at the same time. So the boss was happy. He was getting labor from me and I was getting use of a machine to try to see if that's really what I wanted to do. Could I do the extra hours? And then the same thing you talked about, Jeff, he was doing dealership, but he was also trying to, to, to build a name for himself with various projects. And I mean, his own truck. So you don't have to go full bore right away. It could be like a half and half or an 80, 20, whatever it works out to. Right. And that's, and that's another thing too, is with you having your day job in the shop, are you still doing, you're still doing full time, are you not? As far as I see on your social oh, yeah. media. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm head programmer, uh, uh, production manager, quoting, packing parts, whatever the job calls for. I mean, it's a, we're a small shop of, uh, I guess there's eight of us. You know, there's three machinists. We got two kind of shop helps, uh, the boss, and then we've got our, our um, business development, if you want to call it that. He handles like our, uh, you know, sending out quotes and ordering materials and all that. So we're a small shop, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I have no no intentions on leaving there. It's I love what I do and I love who I do it with. And, you know, I, I want that. I want to be with that company as long as I possibly can. Which is then, nice. Yeah, at, yeah exactly. It's nice to see dedication. That's another thing we don't see these days is a lot of kids just jump jobs. It's nice to see. I just, you know, I've been working with, uh, you know, two of the guys, they were both there when I started and previous to that, they had worked together for 10 years. So they've got 20 years together and I've got 10 years with them. So, you know, I see them more than I see my own friends and family. So make sure you're happy with what you're doing and happy with who you work with is what you're saying. That's huge. I mean, if you go to work and you're not happy and you don't want to, you know, you don't want to converse with the other guys or joke around them. There's, there's really no point. I mean, we all have our little flare ups and, you know, there's some, you know, the disagreements on stuff, but, you know, we always shake it out or hug it out after the fact and you move on. Cause you know that you're going to see him tomorrow. There's no sense. There's no sense holding any kind of grudge like that. Now you got into license plates, which I think is so fucking cool. Like, like that's, when did that start? You kind of mentioned it in your, in your story of how you came up with Phil Bill, but who was your first license plate? Uh, I, I mean, I made license plate shape awards was like the first true ones. Oh yeah. Um, okay. I'd, I'd have to go back and see like who actually said like, yeah, hey, like, I mean, I made, I made one of my own way back, which would have been maybe like 2011 or so I just made one for fun with just like a big fill built kind of stencil font just it wasn't even rounded corners it's like so caveman like looking back at it um, <laughs> but I'd have to go back it's like I took pictures of I've, I think I've taken a picture of every plate I've made you know in my famous like kitchen photo studio that I have going on um, That's I cool. mean I think I've made I've made hundreds of these plates at this point like I'm ordering them by the 50s or by the hundreds and, you know, clubs will get in and, you know, one guy will order one. Then, like, his buddy will message me and say, hey, I saw what you did for so-and-so. I, you know, I want to get one. And then I'm getting, you know, relaxed atmosphere at one point, put in a, a bulk order. And they just said, here's the colors, here's the states, send them all to one person. We'll ship it out from there. So, again, like I, you said, I didn't really get lucky. But by the same token, like, I kind of did with who I've met. You know, all it takes is one chance encounter, like, that recommendation to, to Lone Star led to basically everything since 2014. Cause when you have a backing, like, you know, he's the guy that does the Lone Star awards. Oh, okay. So people, people know who he is and what he can do. And I do owe a lot of it to that. But if you had not put yourself out there. And then I'd still probably just be doing the day job and that's it. 
That's what I mean. So you got to take, that's what I'm saying. Like you, you, there is, I guess, luck involved in it. You have to be right place, right time, maybe right people, right time for sure. But if you never, ever put yourself out there, like you got to swing, you got to swing to hit, but you got to, you're going to, you're going to miss, like it's going to happen. Too. Well, that was it because, like, I, I first spoke to Radar in January of 2014, and their show is the end of February. So I had, you know, the better part of a month, month and a half to start from nothing, not knowing who they were, to making all these awards, getting them done, getting them shipped out. So, like you said, you got to take that swing. And it was, it was a tight deadline, but, you know, there was only one way to find out if I could do it. And it was just to do it. And you did it. I did it and I haven't looked back since then. <laughs> That's so cool. Now the name, what made you come up with the name? I know it's obviously your name and built, but was there, is there a meaning behind it? Pretty much you nailed it. That's all it really ever was. Yeah. Um, I made an emblem for the truck way back when, and it was just Phil built. And at the time it was more of a joke, like Peter built, the truck was Phil built. And then oh, yeah, just, okay. I, I, I like that. So the, the, the truck had the, the Phil built emblem in the front. Uh, and then just adding designs because pretty much at, at that point when I started doing this as you know a, a, a job um, right. everything I was making was stuff that I was designing up on my own you know someone would come and say you know we're looking for a trophy idea what do you have in mind okay well I drew something up okay yeah we like that idea like you know I've been doing the the rotor and caliper awards now for quite a few years for um, October truck madness uh, just outside of Houston for uh, Houston performance trucks and on the gas racing you know, something that I drew up, figured out how to make it work, assembled it, machined it. And, you know, same as the the Lone Star, like the best ofs that kind of have that oil rig look. You know, I figured what's more Texas than oil. So start yeah. with that, kind of make it look like an oil rig, then, you know, work in the shape of their logo and make sure that there's room to engrave, you know, what the award is, the date, the location, the sponsor logo. And then at the same time, uh, Radar had sent me a bunch of pictures of older like Boyd Coddington uh, made awards from the older truck shows of the nineties. And they had, you know, the Boyd engraving on it. And they said like, we want to kind of honor the shows that we went to for our show. So like, you know, can we kind of meld the two together, which was pretty cool. Cause like to see hit like awards that came out of that shop. And again, you know, in high school watching American hot rod, it was like, that was Boyd and there was Dwayne and uh, you know, he had uh, Mike in the back on the CNC machine and again, didn't really know what he was doing, but it was really cool. <laughs> Trip down memory lane, right? No kidding. Like my, I my, just, for anybody that's listening, that knows these shows, like there's a lot of probably younger listeners that are listening to this that are like, I have no idea what you're talking about, but anybody yeah. that's in like the 31 to 37 range, I guess you'd say is like going through the memory, like, probably thinking about Dwayne freaking out in the shop at blue bear yeah. and what was the old guy's name in the corner uh ron was lloyd it? lloyd lloyd or something like that yeah well yeah he was crankier than heck like that yeah. guy was so funny and then you had mike with his what yeah. do you have an axe car accident or whatever with his face that was always yeah, like I, think, I never yeah. ever wanted to like make fun of him but like when you're that age you're just like his face is weird like that's all i could think the entire time i was watching that show when I was younger. I think it was they were they were test driving. I think it was like the Aluma tub or the Aluma truck, one of the two. I think it flipped during like their shooting of it, like at the salt flats or something. I might be completely wrong, but that kind of rings a bell. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So yeah, it smashed his face all up. So yeah, that was probably also inspiring back in the day too, even though he didn't really 
looked like he knew what knew what he was doing. But yeah, they didn't. They never really showed what he did in the back corner. Yeah. Um, but now he's making wheels, and he's he's made quite a name for himself too out in the, the automotive industry. Oh, has he? See, I've now I've no, I stopped completely following him. So that's yeah, uh, interesting to hear. Curtis, I think it's Curtis Speed Wheels is his company. Oh, cool! I'll have to look that up. Yeah. I think you were talking earlier about Motorcycle Mania One when Jesse built yeah. the wheels for the blue. It was the blue and green flame bike, wasn't it? Okay, it might have been. That's again, that's going way back. So too. far back. Yeah. Yeah. No, I really like that. Was another inspiring thing. Inspiring thing for me. Jesse was like a big big inspiration for me when i was younger and still he started hating on mini truckers and i i quit him after that but i thought the same thing too but apparently he's quite tight with a lot of mini truckers so it's hard to say if it was like true feelings or more of just like a try to get a rise out of people will it work for me he broke my heart him him and body drop are really really close friends yeah see and that's fair that's totally true yeah but is that just like it's a friendship? Because he literally, he was like, yeah, you fucking mini trucker fags or something. Like, it was legit. I was mad. Childish. Oh, yeah. But I was so mad. Yeah, because saying that that's all that SEMA was, was uh, lifted trucks and, and mini truckers. Or mini trucker dipshits, because I've got the t-shirt. Is it mini trucker that's dipshits? I thought he said fags. Yeah, but yeah maybe it was. No, it was, it was dipshits. <laughs> yeah. I've got, I, ordered, I had to order the t-shirt. I was like, oh, it had the iron cross and everything on it. Mini trucker dipshit. Like, that's perfect. Oh, man. See, I got a tie. Yeah. I made the mistake of getting a tattoo of the West Coast Chopper symbol when I was 16. Uh, okay. So, so that's fun. And then, so it's covered up now. I've got like a decent sleeve that covers it over. But yeah, I, I would have integrated it into my sleeve had he not said something like that. So, Jesse, if you're listening to this podcast, you, you broke my heart. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are the, your plans for the future, Phil? Do you want to keep doing what you're doing? You obviously you don't want to leave Imco. So, did you buy a machine? I'm kind of like asking 14 I, questions I, at month. I did, months. yes. Uh, 2019 uh, September slash October. Well, I ordered it in the summer, so like probably August, and then it was finally delivered uh, October 2019. So it'll be two years now. I've had my own machine. That's so but cool. Again, it's a, it's all about risk and taking that plunge, right? You go sit in the bank and tell them what you want to do and how much it's going to cost. And then they throw these, you know, wonderful terms of business loans and line of credit and all this. And you're <laughs> like, oh, it doesn't sound too bad. So, yeah, I bought a brand new uh, Haas VF1 in 2019. That's a pretty big machine. It's, it does everything I've had to do so far. So it's, uh, it, it served me well. That's for sure. It's not, you know, it's not top of the line by any means, but it has everything on, on it that most of our machines at work do. So I knew what I did and didn't want or what I didn't really need. Right. Bought within my means. And I knew that if for whatever reason, Phil built dried up and nobody liked me anymore and nobody wanted to buy anything from me, I could still make my payments on it. Right. So it worked out well. You know, I had to, I had to plan worst case scenario which worked out so far so good knock on wood so i'll break my like four questions in a row down there what are future sure. plans what are your future plans since you are staying with imco you said do you plan yeah. on do you plan on branching out with phil built or do you want to keep it just you like do you ever want to um, have a side shop where it's more machinists working for you or i don't think so i think my end goal i mean with most machinists is to own their own shop um i'm in a lucky position to where if the opportunity does happen to come up where Imco comes up for sale, um, I've already made my kind of position known that I'd love to have a chance at that to keep a, the company going and, you know, keep the employees like what we have going now is a great thing. Um, like I said, my boss is 74. 
he's going to probably start thinking about retirement sooner than later. And, you know, I'd like nothing more than to give him, you know, a great retirement package. And he'll know that the company that he's helped build and turn around is still in good hands. You know, it's like a father figure, right? Like he's, I've, you know, he's been my, I've been working with him since when he started, he came into the company after I had started. But again, you know, day to day, and we're both in there on weekends, just trying to pound parts out. And like, he knows, he knows where my head's at. And that if I had a chance at owning the company and keeping it going, that's, that's my, that's my goal. Outside looking in, I'd hire you. (laughs) Well, honestly, right. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe to your own, what do they say to your own uh, detriment or whatever, but definitely. Yeah, Yeah. But I see you. I see you working. You're putting in the hours. And with the awards, like the last year's LST award, they, which one was that? Two, three? Uh, last year was five. Was it 5.0? Holy frick. I think, I think so. Yeah. Cause we had Pascal, Nick, Mike, uh, Brandon. And then, yeah, last year was uh, that El Diablo F100. So it would have been five. Yeah. Those awards are crazy. You take At those... some point, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to dial it back a little bit. I think this year, because unfortunately, I don't think Bay made its rounds this year because it was too heavy to carry around or too bulky. Oh, so they wouldn't actually take it from show to show. Well, I mean, when you're when you're tipping about sixty pounds of aluminum, it's it's not for everyone, I guess, to carry around. <laughs> did you have to buy a seat on the plane for that, or did you? I know uh, it? it went it went in the shipping crate this year. Oh, did it? Yeah, kind of Stanley Cupish. That's hilarious. Yeah, wrapped in wrapped in a couple moving blankets and then a little crate built within the crate. They made it there in one piece. All they had to do is flip the top piece over, four screws out, flip the head over, and then four screws back in. I made it as simple as I could. It was so cool to see too. And I'm sure whoever got it, yeah, it was probably heavy, but they were probably so stoked. Watch well, how can you not be? I mean, you look at the the heritage now that Bay has of going to the beach and being fed and being on an airplane and delivery room. Like it's got a, a story behind it now. It's so funny. And it's funny that and there's I, like more of them. So like it's different stories. <laughs> yes. And, and each, each winner kind of has their own personality and their own taste or like they're, you know, who's more out there per se than others. So it, it's been fun to watch. And again, it's something that I never would have thought of. Right. Like I'm, I'm a guy making trophies and then, on his way home from the show the first year, Pascal takes it to the beach and that picture of him on the beach with his arm around it, his, that's what started it all, you know? And then after that, everyone's like, well, when have you ever seen a guy take a trophy to the beach and then pose with it at lunch and bring it to work? Like it's kind of unheard of, kind of weird, but at the same time, kind of awesome. Oh, it's so awesome. Yeah. That's a guy with a sense of humor that I want as my friend. Like, come exactly. on, it's like he's so funny. I haven't gotten to hang around with him yet because the the year that he won again, I was that was one of my first years, so I wasn't really didn't know too many people. Too many people didn't know me, uh, but he seems like the kind of guy that you'd want to hang around with and just listen to tell stories all night. Right? It's like the have you ever seen like where the best men do the photos like as if they're the the maid of honor and the bride? Yeah, that's oh, yeah. so funny to me. Like when they're doing it with beers and stuff like that. Holy shit. It just kills me every time. Like <laughs> it's just the same with the trophy. Like just yeah. kills me every single time. It's like, yeah, well, that's really, really cool. I, I did. Yeah. The trophies were cool. I think your license plates though. I think that's my favorite of the things that you make. Your keychains were cool too, but like the license plates, I don't know. Every time I seen one of those and like seeing them in magazines, that's gotta be so cool to see your stuff oh, in yeah. magazines and stuff. It's- 
you know, the, the license rates have kind of become like the bread and butter. That's like the, the go-to. And like you said, it's, you know, seeing it in magazines and when that issue comes in and you're, you're flipping through it to see and you get all excited. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a moment of pride for me. Um, I, I don't like to feel cocky or braggy, but like it is cool to see you walk into Walmart and there's a, you know, an Escalade on the cover and your license plate's on it. Like it's, it's a good, it's a cool feeling. So cool. It's a cool feeling for me knowing you seeing the magazines in Walmart. So I can't yeah. imagine what it feels like for you. But again, I'm just, I'm, I'm just a guy and I, you know, it's, it's, it's cool to see it, but it's like, it's not a, a mass produced part. So I guess it kind of has that like hits home feeling of, you know, I, I made that, I wrapped it up. I washed it. My parents probably got the box ready for me while I was at work and printed out a shipping label for me. So yeah, it, it, it is neat to see it. Do you paint them too? I uh, know they're all, uh, they're all anodized. Oh, it's all anodized. Shop that, yeah. I have a local shop that I deal with for that. And they've been amazing to me over the years. That's super, super cool. Yeah. And your parents are involved in all of it. You, do they do anything else other than helping you with like shipping and stuff like that? Um, normally around Christmas time, once I'm into like the, the deep parts of LST, I'll start assembling stuff at work. I mean, last year, I think it was Christmas day. We were at the shop because we knew nobody would be there. So they came in and they helped me get the boxes ready. They pack them up, uh, label it all while I'm doing assembly or uh, washing them or whatever the case may be. So yeah, where, wherever they're, they're able to help, they, they're first in line to give me a hand wherever I need it. So I'm very lucky to have them and they're, they're willing to help me out. And they know like if I'm working until six, seven o'clock at night and come home, you know, dinner will be ready for me. And it's a, it's a great thing to have. Yeah, it's nice to have people that are like in your life and super supportive parents and stuff like 100%. that. 100%. They've, you know, they've always been behind me and support me what I do and you know, they can they, they know my work ethic and my OCD and my meticulousness. So, I'm glad I can they, they know I can trust them to do to do right with my parts in their hands. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, would you take like if anybody's listening, do you take custom orders? through fill built like would you make parts for people or do you like to stick with kind of like what you do do you like sticking like does that kind of keep you busy your awards and your license plates um i have like certain like seasons where i get busy like right now i'm getting back into lone star uh, i just finished off the october truck madness awards like i try to i try to do as much one-off stuff as i can when when time is available but it's tough for me because you know i could be planning to go in and do whatever project of my own on on the weekend but then if work gets busy or a rush job comes in on a, a friday and then i'm in working on a saturday well my plans to do whatever for whoever could get pushed back just based on that so it's tricky i try not to take any deadline jobs on other than the big ones that i'm already doing right. just for that fact that i don't want to commit to something and then not deliver because it's always been a thing to me that the day job has to come first i can't i can't let that job down that's I appreciate the dedication. <laughs> you know, like I said, the, you know, the boss has been very nice to me. The mach- my, my own personal machine is at the shop, right? Um, amongst all the work machines, so it's kind of it'd be kind of a dick move on me to go in and work on my own stuff if work was struggling, or you know, rather than staying late and working on my own stuff if work needs me to be there. Well, I I got to be there for work, so it's it's always been that's been the understanding is that you know you're more than welcome to have the machine here, but. You know, I've always known that I, I can't let that be at the sacrifice of, of work. That is my number one. So listeners listening, be that employee, but also bosses listening, be that boss. 
Uh, my boss is incredible. I mean, I, I got lucky. But but we gotta like the bosses out there that are listening that are hard asses that want their employees to be better for them. You got to be a better boss for your employees too, because guys want to work for you when they want to work for you, and really don't yeah. want to work for you. Like it becomes a job when you become a boss. And I'm not saying you have to be their friend, but like there's a really fine line of friend boss balance that really works to get a lot of motivation movement and appreciation out of your employees where coming down and being a tyrant yeah you're totally going to get a result but you might get a better result if you tried a different approach (laughs) yeah i agree okay so what are your socials phil where can people find you uh so instagram it's phil built designs all one word um, I'm on Facebook. I've got a Facebook page for Phil Built Designs. Admittedly, I don't really post anything there. It became kind of more of a nuisance than anything. <laughs> um, trying to keep up, and then you're getting, you know, constantly inbox. That's the thing. Is like for one guy trying to manage an Instagram account, I get people texting my my personal cell phone. Uh, I got Facebook Messenger page coming in, my personal messenger commenting on posts. So I try to limit it the amount of places where I take info in, but yeah, I'm, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I think most of my customers are friends and they all have me my, as my personal Facebook too. Right. Um, I don't do the whole Twitter thing. I'm not on TikTok. I don't do any of that. I, I had to limit myself down. <laughs> Come on, get on TikTok. We want to see some uh, dancing I, I in front of the machines, Phil. Can't do it. I can't do that. No, there's no way. Come on. You're like, how tall are you? You'd be the tallest six, six, eight, six, nine. If I don't slouch, I guess. Yeah. You'd be the tallest machinist on the friggin' planet. Watch is that I make my own machine look small and it's not a small machine. It's so funny. Do you set your coffee up on the top? I probably could. <laughs> I mean, I'm the only one that can see the top of the machine. So like, I know how dirty they are. It's funny. I saw now you're speaking to TikTok. I saw a TikTok the other day and it was like a five foot, like five foot one girl or a four foot whatever girl and she's like this is my view and then she hands her phone to like her boyfriend and he's like this is my view and he's like as tall as you whatever six eight six nine and it's like all dirty shelves in walmart and i'm like i don't know (laughs) i don't know if i'd want to be that tall like yeah it's cool for a minute but like shit everything's dirty up there what the hell (laughs) it's got its perks but it's also got its downfalls that's so funny Okay, well, I won't keep you too much longer. I, I always ask my uh, my guests one last question. What would you say to somebody out there motivationally that would that maybe motivated you or a suggestion to them if they're you know afraid to take that leap? Do you have any last kind of motivational words for them or anything you'd say? I would say trust your gut and trust what your skills are. If you know you can do something, odds are you can and you'll excel at it. Don't, don't stress the little stuff because once you get into it, you'll realize that you've made the right decision. Don't sweat the small stuff. I like that. That's just it. You can't, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't sweat every little detail and, you know, try to shut your brain off at night. That's the big thing too, is once you're in bed at night, don't be stressing because there's nothing you can do about it that night. You know, tomorrow's a new day. You know, I've had the same thing where I'll ship something out and, you know, shipping goes wrong or whatever. And, what good is it doing staying up all night stressing about it? You can't change, you can't change the situation. Yeah, worry is a wasted emotion. Pretty much. Totally. Well, I really, really appreciate your time. We're right Thank at you about... for having me. It's, uh, it's, it's been fun. I appreciate it so much. Uh, if you guys want to check him out, you guys got his socials. We're going to link the socials in the uh, description below. 
We appreciate Phil's time. Make sure you check him out. Make sure you give him a follow. Phil, thank you so much for being on. I will let you go. I will let you go. Enjoy your night and you guys enjoy your night. Thank you very much. All right, guys. Thanks again for joining us on this episode of Self-Made Nobodies. Wasn't Phil awesome? Definitely love the conversation. Love having you guys listening. Make sure you give us a follow. Give us a like. Share it to your friends. If you've got anybody that you want to see on the show or hear on the show, make sure you reach out to us, selfmadenobodies at gmail.com. Thanks, guys. We really appreciate it.